Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Good morning. Yes, I'm Phoebe. If I haven't met you yet, it is great to see you all again. Who was here for Vision Sunday last week? Okay, so we know that last week was Vision Sunday. One week on, today we are having Revision Sunday. So for those of you who were here last week, you will know that our senior pastors, Pastors Daz and Baron, they set the vision for the entire Chapel Collective of The One. They encouraged each of us to try and identify the one in our circle that we would commit to pray for every day. Then we talked about what that looks like for Tamworth. We said we want to take that vision, we want to expand on it and personalise it for us here in Tamworth. And so we introduced our mission statement for Tamworth for 2024 of empower the one to reach the one. We talked about who the one is and how we can reach them. So we're going to take that same vision statement today and expand on it. But before we move forward, I'd actually like us to first rewind. You remember last week, we reminded you of the last few years worth of vision statements. In 2022, the vision was to stand firm, stand firm in our faith, stand firm in our convictions and in our walk with God. Then last year in 2023, our vision was that we would be a church that acts like family and feels like home. Can I say a huge well done on achieving those goals? We all did what we set out to do, right? We all took a new stand in our faith in 2022. We all took up the challenge last year of being the church that acts like family and feels like home. So as we move into 2024, as we move into this new goal of empowering the one to reach the one, are we closing the book on standing firm? Are we now done with acting like family and feeling like home and can we all just go back to ignoring each other again? Like, you know, we're closing the book on acting like family because we're moving on to the new thing. Absolutely not, right? It is not that we're closing the book on last year's vision. But instead, last year's vision becomes the foundation on which we build this year's vision. The work that God did in our church over the last few years becomes the platform from which we can springboard to new higher levels. So Chapel, we are still the church that stands firm, right? We are still the church that acts like family and feels like home. And in 2024, we are the firm standing church family that empowers the one to reach the one, right? Thank you. Psalm 68.8 says that God places the lonely in families. Can I say very clearly, Chapel, you are my family. Look at the people either side of you. Now, if you have that kind of relationship with them, reach out and give them a hug. These people are your family. And I'm sorry for any awkwardness where one of you reached for a hug and the other one didn't. Now, these people don't stop being your family just because 2023 is over. They are still your family. The bigger question we want to ask as we come into 2024 is, what kind of family do we want to be? Now, I have two sons who are in kids' church today. Can I take a moment to give a huge appreciation to anybody who serves in kids' church? What you do is invaluable and you are having generational impact. Thank you to anyone who volunteers in kids' church. 
My oldest son is in year three. Now, given that um, Andrew and I in our house, we run at a pretty frantic pace of life, I try and carve out special one-on-one time with each of my children at least once each week. For my eldest son, ever since he started school, we have a tradition that we go out for breakfast every Friday morning. We go out, we now go to Humble's every week, we sit, we have breakfast, we chat, and then we drive the long way to school. And one thing that we've been doing on this breakfast date for about 18 months now is that every week my son orders what he likes to call a mystery coffee. So it's a coffee that we pay for but we don't receive. And then during the week the staff at Humble's will look out for someone who looks like they're having a really bad day and they will give them that free coffee. And the staff there take great delight in telling the recipient that a little boy paid for their coffee. The first time we did this was about 18 months ago. It was on a whim. But the following week, when we returned back at Humbles, the staff told us how they had given his mystery coffee to a lady who was on her way to chemotherapy. And she had broken down in tears at the thought that a six-year-old boy had wanted to bless her when he knew nothing about her. My son was so chuffed at the thought of this that he's insisted we do it every week ever since. His comment to me was, Mummy, it feels good to be kind. Now, if I had spoken to Trish Moore, she might have given me a lecture on how I could have saved that coffee money and I could have invested it and somehow, miraculously, it would have turned into $10 billion and then we could have used that money and cured world hunger. (laughs) Unfortunately, I did not seek counsel from Trish Moore when we started this tradition. I did, however, draw the line at three mystery coffees a week. We, We just stick to one. But to be honest, I love that I have built this tradition with my son and I love seeing him take ownership of it because I want my kind of my family to be the kind of family that shows hospitality, that loves generosity and that makes random acts of kindness part of our daily routine. And I want my children to see this heart, then I want to empower them to take ownership of it for themselves. Chapel, what kind of family do we want to be? Unless you are new or visiting, most of you would know that this year is a pretty big season of transition for us. Our senior pastors have moved into their next season of God's calling and we bless them, we pray for them, but we miss them. But while we feel the change, as we transition into a next season at the Chapel Tamworth, can we agree that this is a chance to rise to a new level? This is a chance to break new ground. This is a chance to see revival in our generation. And make no mistake of it, God is doing something at the moment in the chapel. This is an exciting season for us. We spent last year establishing that we as a church are a family. This year we get the opportunity to establish what kind of family do we want to be? So can we be a church family that is strong personally and collectively because we have learned to stand firm? Can we be a church family who is unified because we have learned to act like family and feel like home? And can we be a church that shows hospitality, that loves generosity, the church that welcomes the stranger, the church that empowers the one to reach the one? And as we come through this season of change, rather than looking inward both personally and as a church, can we be the church that looks outwards, the church that looks for the one? Can we be together in this? Can we? Thank you. In our family, sometimes my boys have friends come over and stay with us. They come and they join our family for a time. 
and we will try our best to make sure that they feel welcome and that they have a good time. And the, expect, the expectation is that while they're under our roof, they're effectively part of our family. But with that comes the expectation for how we behave and the culture that we foster in our family. So if you come into our family, you will be loved, you will be fed, you will be cared for, you will have a lot of fun. But in our family, there is also an expectation that we talk kindly to one another, that we use words that are uplifting. There is an expectation that we do not allow unwholesome talk in our family. And if we fall short in our family, the expectation is that we will apologise and we will be forgiven. Now, if the boys have a friend staying, we don't lower the expectation. But in this scenario, they are new to the family. They are still learning about the culture that we foster. So while we keep the expectation, it's done with grace and gentleness. Because the responsibility to set the culture in our family falls on those who are already in the family. Chapel, we are a family. Many of us have called the chapel home for a very long time now. And the responsibility to set the culture of this family falls on those who are already in the family. Romans 8.15, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Because we who are already in the family are God's children, called to establish the culture of the family. And we have a responsibility to show the world what the family of God's people looks like. So I'm asking you again, Chapel, what kind of family do we want to be? In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Those who are new to the family, newly adopted in, are still learning about the culture that we foster in this family. But the responsibility to set that culture falls on those who are already in the family. So what kind of family do we want to be? And as a family of God's children, our culture should be entirely shaped by God. When we set the culture of our family, we follow the example set to us by Jesus. And Jesus set a very clear expectation about the behaviour and culture that is to be fostered in his family. So I'd like to read to you again the passage I read last week from Matthew 25, which was Jesus' very own instructions to his own disciples. He said, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Who is your one? Who is the one who is hungry? And yes, this means physically hungry, but not all hunger is physical. Who in your life is starving? Who is starving for the truth in your life? Who has been fed only lies and hungers for truth? Will you feed them the truth in love? Will you feed the one? Who is the one who is thirsty? 
Who in your life is crying out, despairing at the parched, dry, soulless land, desperate for a drink from the well? In John 4, 14, Jesus says, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. We who have the Holy Spirit have unlimited access to the spring of life. Who in your life is the one who thirsts for a drink from that well? Because when you have access to the source, that spring of water, there is no fear of running out yourself. You don't need to be reserved in what you give as though you might run out because the spring bubbles over. And we who have the spring within us have abundance and out of the abundance we can share freely. Who is the one who is a stranger? Who is the one in your life who is lonely? And please don't mistake lonely and alone here. Because the one who is lonely might be surrounded by people. Never alone, but still be lonely. Still be desperate to be seen. Let's be the one who sees. Ask God to open your eyes to see. God has positioned you around the one with a very intentional person in mind. And it only takes one person to see, one person to speak life, one person to draw their one back from the brink of despair. Let's choose to see the one. Who is the one who is naked? Who is your one that needs to be clothed? Nakedness here is symbolic of shame and guilt. Who is your one who is shamed by those around them? who cannot escape their guilt? Who has been told that they are worthless, that they are the problem, told that they have no value? When we love the one, we restore their dignity. Let's be the one to clothe the one with dignity, with grace and with hope for the future. Who is the one who is sick? Now, not all sickness is physical. Jesus didn't command us to heal the sick here. He asked us to care for them. Now, when people are sick, they're not usually looking for our advice. They're not looking for our our opinions. They're not even looking for our testimonial about probiotics. (laughs) They are looking for our care and for our love. Let's visit the one. Let's love the one where they're at until they're no longer there. Who is the one who is a prisoner? And people create all sorts of prisons for themselves. Not all prisons are made of metal bars. We can't free the one who is in prison. Only God can do that. It is only through the work of the Holy Spirit in any of our lives that we can ever be set free from the prisons that bind us. But we aren't called to set them free. We aren't called to free the one who's in prison. We are called to visit them. Let's visit them. Keep visiting them. Speak words of life and freedom and keep speaking words of freedom until they are no longer in prison. Empower the one to reach the one. Now, we don't talk about the one just because it's a nice catchphrase. We are talking about the one because Jesus commands us to. It is his very clear directive to us. This theme comes up again and again throughout the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament. For those of us who are fasting at the moment, in Isaiah 58, God challenged his people around the true nature of fasting. He said, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. 
Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. How good does that sound? Let's empower the one to reach the one. Who is the one in your life? Who is the least of these, the one? Who in your life is hungry for the gospel? Who is thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Who is a stranger and desperate to be a part of our family? Who is naked and ashamed and crying out for grace? Who is sick and needs to meet the one who heals? Who is trapped in a prison and needs to hear words of freedom? You don't need to wait for permission to reach the one. You don't need to wait for someone to ask you to reach the one because guess what? Jesus already asked you to. You just need to go and reach your one. So Andrew's about to come up and talk about practically what that looks like for us at the chapel. But I want you to reflect on that question. What does reaching the one look like for you? It's not about thinking bigger. It's about focusing smaller. It's not about thinking bigger, it's about focusing smaller. So when we think about all these things that we want to do for God, we don't want to scare anyone here this morning. We don't want to think that we're just going to sign people up for this ministry, that ministry, that connect group, that whatever, that plan, that Bible college, whatever it might be. We just want to focus smaller because collectively as a church, we can do what God's calling us to do if we all say yes So we can talk about mission statements and goals and pathways and all of that, but that's all we've got to do. Obedience drives outcomes. Say it with me. Obedience drives outcomes. So it's not about numbers. We can talk about 50% of people being in connect groups, but all we've got to do is be obedient and the outcomes will take care of themselves because God is in the outcomes. He sees that. He calls us to that. He's already sorted it out. What he can't sort out is our obedience and our response. And that's what we're talking about this year. So I'm going to give some framework around uh, Matthew 25. And we're going, sorry, I'm going to take the framework of Matthew 25. We're going to talk about what's going on in the church um, this year. And we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to highlight it. And we're also going to promote it. So we're talking about the hungry now. The hungry. And I'm sorry to use the word hungry when we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Who's hungry? Just put up a withered arm if you're... (laughs) If you're hungry, <laughs> that's good. Um, God bless you for, for entering into your fast. Jesus declares in John 6:35 that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. And so a few chapters earlier in the book of John, we learn that Jesus is the word, John chapter one. The word was with the word is God, the word was with God and became flesh. And so the Bible is the word of God. And when we read the Bible, the Bible actually illuminates who Jesus is, his position in the Trinity, his character, his nature, his attributes. So when we read the Bible together with other people and and alone, Jesus just kind of pops off the page because he is the word of God. 
And so when we talk about building discipleship culture and the program that we're rolling out and the program that the, the leaders and the staff have been training in, and we'll do a lot more in-depth training over the next uh, two, uh, a year or two, we have this awesome opportunity to find out how to identify the one, or we're going to use language that is person of peace, which is biblical language. We're going to roll that out. But here's an example of what that looks like. I want to, I want to share something that happened to me this week. So do you have someone in your life that you just see like in a lot of places that you go? You don't know what their name is. You don't know who they are. You don't know anything about them. But for whatever reason, there's this one person that just kind of pops up in places regularly and you and you just don't expect it. So I've got one of those people in my life right now. I see him at the gym. He's always there when I go irregularly. He um, he's, he's at the school car park where my boy goes. Uh, I see him there. I've seen him in the supermarket and done that thing where you walk down the aisle and see him and he looks at you and you know what he's thinking? He's thinking, there's that bloke. There's that bloke that I see everywhere. And I'm thinking, there's that bloke that I see everywhere. (laughs) Now, this isn't the way that we find the one necessarily, but this is one way that we find the one. So my, my eldest son started in a new swimming lesson group this week and, uh, and we walk into the first lesson and we're, we're poolside and there's only one spare seat next to the pool. And so I take that. And who's sitting next to me in that one spare seat? It's that guy. (laughs) That guy that I keep bumping into. So naturally we have to have a chat, right? And so I get to know him and we talk for the half hour lesson and he finds out that I'm a Christian um, because he asks that question, what do you do for a living? So I tell him. And uh, and whilst we're having that conversation, the Holy Spirit's just inside of me going... And like the Holy Spirit's trying to tell me something and I'm trying to listen to this guy and I cannot listen to two voices at once. I don't know if it's a bloke thing, I don't know if it's an Andrew thing, but I just can't do it. If I'm sitting in front of the TV and Phoebe comes and has a discussion, I'm struggling. I can't hear the TV, I can't hear her. So I have to turn the TV up, off, off, (laughs) off. I have to turn it off so that I can listen properly. Good thing you can watch the cricket on mute sometimes that's good but I just can't cope so in that moment I'm talking to this guy and the Holy Spirit's just going just build relationship with this guy he's on the fringes of society and I just need to build relationship with him that's all I've got to do didn't have to I don't need to bring my bible next Tuesday and do that do a bible study poolside I just need to connect with him That's all. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about building a discipleship culture is just looking at people in your life that could be the one. The thirsty. So we believe that people are thirsty and they're asking for an infilling of the Holy Spirit and an outflowing of the Holy Spirit. An infilling of the Holy Spirit so that there can be outflowing. And I believe... Christians and non-Christians feel that way. I'll tell you why. I met a bloke this week, Thursday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, 6.30 prayer meeting here. He comes at 6.28. Not a Christian. He rocks up. Who rocks up to a church at 6.28 in the morning? This guy. And he comes in and he goes, I don't know what's going on, but I think I need to turn to God. 
Like, all right, cool, mate. Well, we've got this prayer meeting that's just about to start in two minutes. Do you want to come in? He's like, no, thanks. I'm like, all right, fine. So, <laughs> so I skipped out on the prayer meeting and sat on the front steps just chatting to him, praying. He's come back to prayer meetings this week. How good's that? He's just kind of trying to work out what's going on in the spirit. The spirit of God's kind of pressing onto his life. John 4, 13, 14 says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is why we're starting Encounter Night again at 5 p.m. tonight. Right here, we're going to clear the chairs. I hope you know that, Alex Fitton. You've got a big job ahead this afternoon. We're going to clear the chairs. We're going to open up this room for just freedom of the Holy Spirit to flow. It's not kooky. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's just we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit in to have his way. Whatever that looks like, whatever comes about, we're just going to open up space. So we can experience that living water of God tonight in a different way. The lonely and stranger. So we love regularly talking about connect groups. We love getting our shy connect group leaders up on stage, even when they don't want to. But we love celebrating that vehicle as a way to welcome in people who are lonely and strangers. Not strange, but though we do allow strange people to come into our connect groups, that's totally fine. But when we're talking about lonely and stranger, we're talking about people who just need a little bit of community. And if we're going to act like family, and if we're going to feel like home, then that means that anyone can come into our services, anyone can come into our church, anyone can come into the spaces that we provide for people to encounter the living God. That's why we exist. We're not a social club that meets up every Sunday. We're a social club that empowers people to go out and reach their one, to find the strangers, to find the lonely, and to show them the love of Jesus. And so we're really going to promote uh, the Connect Group vehicle this year and equip And we're going to do a lot of discipleship through these connect groups. And we have been for so many years, but we want to highlight it um, and, and provide a lot more opportunity for people to do that. The naked. So, to be clear, Phoebe explained this well, but that means that people can be clothed metaphorically with dignity. Because part of the human condition is that we feel shame and guilt for what we do. Some bigger, uh, some levels of shame and guilt just kind of change between individual depending on what they've done. But that's totally okay because that's part of the human condition. We're sinful. We're fallen. We need to be reconciled with God. And part of that, that pain process is shame and guilt. And that's totally okay. But we believe in a God that took shame and guilt to the cross through his son, Jesus Christ. That's dealt with forever. And so even though we might be stuck in our circumstances and stuck in the consequences of our life, or maybe just life is hard, we have opportunity to hand that to God through Jesus who died for our sins and and who is the destroyer of guilt and shame. And we can humbly and confidently hand that over to him. So with that, this lends to our prayer and pastoral care teams. Candy Tyndall's done an awesome job in, in delivering this project for revamping our pastoral care. So 
12 months ago, we had more pastoral care needs than we had the actual function in the system to do pastoral care. Now we've got the opposite problem where we've got people on the pastoral care team going, well, I haven't got any requests for pastoral care, so can I just go and visit someone? And it's like, yeah, of course. What a lovely problem to have. Um, so that we are over, we're over-resourced now, which is awesome. So we have this opportunity to kind of speak into people and to walk with people to help them through the, uh, what, what they need. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Jesus has dealt with it. The sick, the next one, the sick. Before COVID, we had this awesome space whereby we had a ministry that did palliative care ministry. And so we have a bunch of people here who are equipped, trained, um, and, and they go into homes and, uh, and around the hospital areas and, and sit with people who are in palliative care, who are potentially in the last chapter of their life. And so COVID kind of muzzled that function, and, and, but now we've been invited back into that space to do some, some ministry. And there's some nuances there, but we have the opportunity to sit with people and just care for them, love them. And Phoebe, Phoebe talked about how we, we're not actually called to heal because Jesus heals. We believe that Jesus heals, right? But the function of this ministry is that we care. That's what, so we can't control who, he, who gets healed and who doesn't. But we're going to pray for anyone who asks for healing. But we can care for everyone. And so this is the vehicle for that. Jesus wants us to care for the sick. The prisoners. So, uh, not on script, but I'm going to share it because I come from the school of Pastor Darren and uh, <laughs> I might do something I regret. But... We're going to talk about the prisoners for a moment, and I don't have a lot of time. But last year, a group of people went into the prison and just blessed them. We worked with the local chaplain at the prison, and he said uh, he invited us to do more ministry. And uh, in the 8.30 service, I was talking about this, and, um, and I met a guy after the service, first time here on a Sunday, and he said, oh, by the way, that prisoner bit... Um, I, uh, I've just moved to town. I love this church already, even though it's my first Sunday. And uh, just letting you know that I've done 10 years of, of prisons ministry as a corrections officer, and I'd, I'd like to become involved. Like, hello, what's your name again? Um, <laughs> God is at work. And the whole point of the vision of the one is that God is already at work. And so we're not, we're not doing anything for these people to come in and say, I want to help, I want to be part of this. God's just at work already. We're not going out and finding the one or building the one. He's already working on those people, bringing them into our lives. And God is going to do great things if our obedience drives those outcomes. Yeah. I'm excited. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving, the desire, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You know what I love about this? A lot of the ministries that happen in our church aren't designed by leaders or staff. It's people coming up to leaders and staff going, I think God's asking me to do something here. I'll give you a few examples. Sherry Smith, Bronnie McCaro came to us at the end of last year and said, we need to do more in terms of spiritual formations. So we're going to take that on in the new year. So they're starting their group and they're going to create a space that allows for people to, to grow in their spiritual giftings. 
I think about Greg and Carol Herkham, who just, no one's asked them to pick up people who don't have vehicles and bring them to church and connect groups, but they do it anyway. Greg's an old bus driver. So that's his ministry. He just brings people to church. That's awesome. No one asked him to do it, but he sees that. That's awesome. Um, I think of Caleb and Sarah Taylor, Fritzy. They go to the skate park every Friday and Saturday to, to share the gospel. They evangelise. That's their gifting. And so they meet kids and they do it on Friday so they can bring kids to youth. And they do it again on Saturday so they can bring kids to church on Sunday. And that's awesome. And they just said, we need to do this. And, and, and that's just the kingdom of God at work. So what's your plan to reach that one? Look at your giftings. Look at what God's stirring up in you. And just step out into that. It's okay. We, we're well resourced as a church. We've got lots of people here. There's, there's people that can help you in your journey to go and reach your one. And we'll be doing a lot of that throughout the year. Last week, I shared a story about our mate Sarah, and I'm going to finish on this. Sarah came to university, found God because of a girl who was in our connect group at the time, shared the gospel. Week one, semester one of year one of university. Sarah went on to become a missionary. Sarah's still in the church. She went and did discipleship training. She built leaders. She went on mission trips. She was part of an organisation called YWAM, which is a global organisation. She's touched hundreds of people with the love of Christ because one person decided to share the gospel with her in the first week of university. They're both still part of the same church congregation to this day. That's the flow-on effect that we're talking about here. So when we talk about the one, the mathematics will look after itself. The outcomes will look after itself. God will take care of everything if we're obedient. So we're gonna, are we going to hand over the worship team? We're going to do announcements? All right. But I would love to hear more stories like Sarah. And I would love everyone to feel empowered to reach their one. Father God, we just thank you that you use humans for whatever reason, fallen humans, to reach people. So Father, I just pray that, that you'll be stirring in our spirits to show us who is the one and how we can reach them. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.